everyone. Welcome to the 35th episode of In the Between. My name is Nadia. And this is Danny. And today we're gonna do um, a chat about a show we've been watching on Netflix. Well, who am I kidding? I watched everything at one go. <laughs> it's um, Hollywood. And um, it was such a breath of fresh air to see something new, exciting, a period drama um, mm-hmm. on Netflix. Something that's not scary as well. I feel like <laughs> I've had my fill of, you know, um, murder mysteries or like dystopic worlds. I just wanted something to escape into and feel like, wow, everything is so beautiful and glamorous. Yeah. And Hollywood was just a ticket. It was. It was very glamorous. Mm. And what was really cool about it too is that um, it's kind of like um, very imaginative as well like in terms of like what would Hollywood have looked like if it had embraced diversity earlier in the 1940s when it was set so in a way it was really positive and optimistic and of course we can't turn back time and do something different but you know it just felt like um a really nice message to send yeah at the time yeah exactly okay so (laughs) So I guess we can go right into it. I mean, for those who don't know what it's all about, um, it's a show that's about the late 1940s in Hollywood, right? And it's a Ryan Murphy show. Um, What has Ryan Murphy done before this? Um, He did the Gianni Versace Netflix series, and he also did the Trials of O.J. Simpson. But what he's famous for was American Horror Story. Mm-hmm. And Glee, of course. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. And Pose, I think. Mm. I, I mm. wasn't sure about that. Yeah, so I mean, he's he's really like um, the creator of all these really wonderful shows that are part escape and part like social commentary, you know, so it always has a message. It's always trying to say something. For example, with Glee, right, it's about um, high school, it's about like uh, the misfits, I think, you know, and, and them kind of fitting in or finding their place in the world. Same with Pose. Um, that's another show we've, I think we've talked about briefly on our podcast before as well. Mm-hmm. And I haven't watched American Horror Story because I don't really like the horror genre, but maybe you can talk a bit about that. Um, I don't, I haven't watched that either. But I know there oh, was okay. like Lady Gaga in it, but I did watch The Assassination of Gianni Versace and it was also very aestheticized. And right. um, yeah, he's got, he's got this kind of like glamour that he adds and like um, style, stylized aesthetics that he adds to his films, uh, to his TV shows. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm, I'm looking at this um, entry about his work and I didn't know he did Knit Tuck because Knit Tuck seems really different from the shows of his I've watched recently. But I watched Knit Tuck as well. It was, on, it was about like plastic surgery and like, I mean, it was such a sexy show to me. Um, of course, there's like got its, you know, really glamorous side and its dark sides as well, just like all his, um, yeah. Yeah, all his offerings. Well, with Hollywood... Um, I think, you know, from the very first scene, we can already see that it's going to be super fun. And I really like, you know, how they filmed it. It was like Technicolor, kind of a yeah. aesthetic. Everything looks really clean and shiny. Yeah. And yeah, it's just amazing to look at, you know, visually. Yeah, it was um, definitely the, the clips of the lead actresses 
that caught me and I was like, oh wow, I'm gonna have to watch this TV show because the costumes look like they're gonna be amazing and impeccable. Yes. And I also thought some of the actors were, you know, such um pull pull points for me, like, you know, Patty Lapone or Holland Taylor. I really love these actresses. Mm-hmm. And I mean it was just so great to see them in powerful roles. Yeah. It was a real powerful TV show in terms of like female characters. It's yeah. really a reimagining of how what would have hap- have happened if they were in control and it kind of showed also in the costume which we'll be talking about. Yes, okay. So um before we started thinking about this podcast, we were of course, you know, really taken with the costumes and we mm-hmm. thought, wow, like who designed these amazing um pieces? you know, that gives such rich texture to the entire show. And it was such a delight to see what they wore in, you know, every new scene, right? So yeah. Um, so the two people who designed the clothes for this show are Sarah Evelyn and Lou Eirich. I hope I'm getting her name right. Or is it Lou Eirich? I'm not very sure. Um, mm-hmm. But let's go with Eirich. Um, and so uh, Evelyn and Eirich, they looked at 40s trends um so they had to look at both women's and men's costumes because i think in this show the protagonists were you know equally divided i think yes. between women and men yeah so they were looking at things like you know hats and turbans and snoots for the women and with the men you know thinking about a lot of accessories as well like hats certainly brooches tie bars and belts um and actually, for me, I really enjoyed the men's costumes, especially the gas station scenes. I just thought they were so wonderful to watch. I mean, first of all, the gas station was impeccable, mm-hmm. which is really different from how a gas station usually is portrayed <laughs> on screen and is in real life. Yeah. And um, I like how, you know, it was uh, a cover for um, basically an escort service, I guess, right? Yeah. To put it... And it's run by okay. I always mix up, you know, the character and the real names. Um, so maybe I should take a look. What is the real name of the person who ran the, the gas station? Oh, um, I don't know. Dylan- His name oh, is Ernie in the in the film. Ernie, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So Ernie runs his gas station, and then he employs these um young men who have come to Tinseltown. Um, so another name for Hollywood, of course, to pursue their dreams in the film industry. But before they can achieve their dreams, then they need to make ends meet, and that's where they work. Uh, but the real thing that they do there is to provide escort services. Oh, hello. Yeah. <laughs> escort services. And what I like about the uniforms of these guest attendants is really that they're all the same and that they're white. Um, so there's this kind of idea of being pristine um of like you know keeping clean despite of the circumstances um and i really like the proportions as well so you know the pants are high-waisted um the ties are short um and you know there's this like really cute sort of tie bar or tie chain i can't really see now in this image yeah and like a tie chain that they got custom made yeah and then you know they have these almost like bomber jacket like um tops right Mm -hmm. that 
kind of slouch or like kind of crinkle at the arms um, and they wear it a little differently some of them would you know open it up like have it all unzipped some of them would have it zipped halfway up to reveal some of the tie and it just looks so um i don't know what it was so young and so um make them look so virile in some way you know <laughs> and the tie itself is pretty phallic i think you know <laughs> um and really draws attention also to their very uh buff kind of tops and i love how when the cars drive up and then the drivers or the person getting driven around would say you know take me to dreamland and that's like code for yes get in the car i'm not here for gas <laughs> or rather yes put some gas in my tank but not the tank of my car kind of thing <laughs> um, so yeah all this in the windows definitely yeah and, and also oh, the, there's yeah. that there's that reference also to sailor sailor uniforms oh, no that, sure yeah you're right um and with the hat as well i don't know what to make of the hat it seems quite funny atop their heads it's like this beige kind of i don't know like origami like yes. triangular triangular hat. yeah like now that i'm looking at it specifically it looks pretty out of touch <laughs> with the rest of the outfit but you know it doesn't really matter because at the end of it all i think also you know the snappy kind of conversation and like just the whole um, art direction, you know, of the film. It, it's just a feast for the eyes. Yeah. Uh, but I want to say that I really enjoy yeah, guest attendant uniforms because I don't think that there are, you know, usually when you think about films in America and in, they show the guest attendants, either they are looking very greasy or they wouldn't wear white because, you know, there's the danger of it getting dirty, right? So yeah. I like that veneer of perfection, um, the idea that, you know, there's something looking very good on the surface but then you know there's something underneath that's maybe not as um, not on up and up so i enjoyed that and i also enjoyed the fact that the men who are pursuing their dreams are joined by this uniform they're all wearing the same thing they all have you know the same dream of achieving success in hollywood and they're on their way to getting that so yeah yeah and and that's one of the key arcs of the of the story the the idea of all these young um, want to be actors and actresses who come to Hollywood from like middle of America, different parts of America and are chasing this dream of like becoming famous or becoming somebody as Jack Costello, one of the leads often says. And one of the up, like um, kind of set of outfits that I love very much as well, apart from Avis Amberg, who was the studio Hit's wife and she had all these glamorous outfits and lots of jewels was of the young um, actress Camille who was a, a woman of color who was trying to make it big in Hollywood so she was one of the best actresses in the fictional Ace studios and I loved how they kind of constructed her her wardrobe in terms of she not necessarily would have had lots of money so she would wear things that were maybe from the 1930s, like these kind of knit dresses, um, but with a lot of flair and style. So she was more of like a effortless, chic um, character and not necessarily somebody who was like on the trend or wearing very luxurious um, garments and materials. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I love this specific outfit that she wore also, which was this kind of chongsam in a pink fabric um, with this 
kind of all over print of with birds. And I, it, I just found it so funny and interesting that she would have been wearing a Chongsam in in 1948-49 when this when this series is meant to be done and upon reading a little bit more about it, it I found out that actually a lot of the Chongsams became quite popular because of um, different films like in 1934 there was Limehouse Blues and of course later on Shanghai Express that kind of popularized this garment and then again, it came into vogue in the 50s and 60s when it was worn a lot by people like Grace Kelly and Elizabeth Taylor. Hmm. It's really fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, um, I think they also took inspiration from costume designers of the period, uh, mm. like Adrian, Ori Kelly, Edith Head, and Walter Plunkett. Um, so, you know, the research that was done for the costume design was really rigorous. And I believe they also uh, employed a fashion historian yeah, to help really cool. with the research, right? Um, Raisa Bratana, mm-hmm. um, who assisted the two designers, Ivan and Eric, in deciding how to approach, you know, the show's outfits with authenticity. But of course, they also took some liberties, right? Yeah, um, lots, think- especially with colour. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. They, they mentioned, I think, in an interview that um, they made the colours bolder for bolder moments in the in the show. Mm-hmm. And also the colours were used, I think, to create the narrative for characters. So, like, you know, when they were you know, just starting out and they weren't so confident to when, you know, they were, like, coming to their own. Yeah. And there was the colour story there as well, you know, from maybe more pastel to more vibrant colours. Um, and I think aside from sourcing for clothes because I mean 1940s that's a long time away and you know, not a lot of clothes would have uh, survived yeah and also I think most people would have kept more uh, significant show pieces from the yes. period and not so much like the everyday kind of clothes yes. so I believe they also created a lot of clothes um, anew yeah. but in the style of what would have been in the 40s. Yeah, and they did a lot of referencing to real actors and what they would wear on their off days and not just on screen time, which is which I really liked because then you could see them, for example, at home or um, when they were going for acting classes and just like their everyday lives and the kind of clothes they would have worn. I mean, we have to remember that after the war, there was still a lot of rationing and... Um, the fashion industry was still rebuilding. Yeah. What I also appreciated in the um, in the show was that I think aside from you know, all this research they did on the periods in general, I think the actors and actresses were also able to bring in you know, personal things from their own um, family's wardrobes to come to bear in the, in the show. For example, with Holland Taylor, um, you know, her, her mom, the painter Virginia Taylor, was apparently really well-dressed in the 1940s. And uh, the actress actually brought in some images, I think, of what her mom mm-hmm. wore That's to nice. kind of like to play. And I read it in another article that um, I think the person who plays the character Jack was able to wear his grandfather's hat in oh, the yes. final scene as well. I, I read that yeah. too. That's Yeah, so that was really nice. awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another scene that I really loved um, was this kind of 
scene where things are uh, kind of stripped back. So that's when the young, the two young um, actresses that are vying for the lead role are being groomed. And you can see them in like their 1940s undergarments. So they're wearing like stockings and like the garters. Um, and then they have all their hair in, in pinned to their head to develop these waves, which were very popular in 1940s hairstyles. And so the women are wearing this kind of like restrictive undergarments, whereas the men have their own set of undergarments too, but they also they have to um, do all this type of exercises and bodybuilding things and watch their diets to make sure that they have the right physique. So it just shows us that their the dress and costume um, of these celebrities doesn't just involve the garments that they put on, but also all this kind of other um, things that they have to do daily to keep that look and that physique that makes them celebrities. Mm. Actually, talking about physiques, um, I read also that one of the reasons they had to, you know, remake a lot of the clothes instead of like sourcing for clothes um, was because the bodies we have today are very different from what they were like in the 40s. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, you know, that it can be like a blanket thing, right? Like yeah. in the 40s, bodies were like that, you know, which meant um, people didn't exercise as rigorously. Yeah. Um, probably didn't eat as well, I would think, right? Yeah. So we're bigger and buffer now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also the fact that like all the, the actors and actresses, of course, have different kind of bodies as well. So I think there was a mention that Darren Chris. Um, so I think the director in the show was able to pretty much wear whatever was a vintage piece because of how he was built. Mm-hmm. But then for the rest, I think um, I think there was a mention that Dylan McDermott had really long arms or something. So everything had to be tailor-made. Wow. And yeah, so it's quite interesting to, you know, be aware of how... I mean, of course, we know that clothes um, have to do with the body and it clothes the body. But then we forget how individual that is. Um, that there's no, no standard no size real or standard size. Um, and that really makes us think about the idea of, of standard sizing in today's fashion industry, of course. Yeah, yeah and also because a lot of, of people used to make their own clothes before, exactly. right? So they would have made yeah. them fit for themselves. Yeah. I also love the loungewear that was seen. So oh, yeah. even though the glamour of like on screen is really like beautiful, I think that the glamour of like Avis Amberg's like boudoir style is so fabulous. Like she wears this like feathered um, kimono robes and always has her hair perfectly coiffed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the hair and makeup uh, are they're just fabulous, and also you know the idea of how um their hairstyles would work with their little hats. As yes, well. <laughs> Whether put on or taken off, it still has to look good. Um, yeah, it's just really beautiful to see. And I really enjoy seeing older actresses, you know, wearing such splendid things, you know, or the fact that, like, Avis would have, you know, her cleavage shown in pretty much everything she wears. Oh, yeah. You know, which is just like, yes, I I appreciate my body. This is what it looks like. Um, and I'm just going to show it off. And <laughs> that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, she was quite a character. It, it was a really fun series to watch and... It's nice to have a break from these home clothes and loungewear that we are wearing every day, which is (laughs) 
Yeah, definitely. And I also like that it was such a hopeful show. It was really neatly tied up at the end, right? You know, with the film that they made. Um, yeah. And how um, I also appreciated that you could see them in like extra finery uh, at the award show yes. because before it was really, really splendid. And of course, um, it was really fun for me actually after or while I was watching the show to Google the names as well that came up, mm. you know, or to like figure out, hey, was this a real character? Was this not a real character? And then when you Google their names and if they're real, then you see what they wear and then you see how um, the characters kind of pay homage to the real um, film stars of yesteryears and yeah that was really nice so I mean obviously it's not like historically like super accurate no um, not I mean, at all the point of it is to be revisionist yes but I really like that they were able to throw up some names I didn't know about or were wasn't so um, aware of before so I really enjoyed for example Queen Latifah's character she seems quite um, an aside within the series but you know she she is representing a real person right yes and, um, her skin was, was one of the only ones that was like very accurate in terms of costume yeah and she was one of the first people to be awarded uh, well she was the first um, african-american woman is that correct to yes. be awarded an academy award for her role in gone of the wind um so i think let's get her name right because Otherwise, I will be upset with myself. What was the name? Hattie McDaniel. Hattie McDaniel. Yeah, that's it. And, and she played um, Mammy in Gone with the Wind. Um, and exactly. Mammy was a slave. Uh, sorry, yeah. um, a servant. Servant. <laughs> yeah. Um, and of course, uh, there's Anime Wong, who it was such a wonderful thing to see. Oh, as well. yeah. Yeah, and I thought she really held her own, the actress who played her. Yeah. Hmm. And all these yeah. characters, yeah, have been given like due respect that they didn't get in the time. Exactly, and I mean earlier on you talked about how I mean you you said uh, mistakenly that yeah you know that Mammy was asleep, but you know the idea of course it came maybe from the fact that Queen Latifah said in the in the show that you know um like my parents or like my ancestors you know were slaves and to be um, someone receiving this Academy Award, it's just like, wow, how long have we come, right, since then? So that was really nice as well to see in the series. Um, and I think Anna Mae Wong, she was snubbed for a role, for like a role which should have been played by an Asian person or a Chinese person, but then it ended up being played by um, a Caucasian. Do you remember this part in the show? Yeah, for The Good Earth. The Good Earth, yeah. yeah. And it was nice that they addressed that as well in the in the series. Yeah. But the series doesn't delve too much into like dark and sad parts because I, I don't know about you, but there were a few times when I was just like, oh no, when's the bad thing going to happen? He's going to get killed, mm. isn't he? Or she's going to get yeah. killed, isn't she? Because <laughs> we know from history that, you know, these things were very didn't happen. I know what you mean. Like, you know, behaviors that were frowned upon or when, um, you know, two um, homosexual men decide to hold hands and be out in public together and there must be some kind of payback, right? Yeah. But there isn't. Yeah. But I, I quite like that actually because I, okay, in my mind, I was thinking it's just seven episodes so it can't go that dark. Yeah. Because it <laughs> and it'd be too much. And I actually like I think the artificiality of that or like the over optimism of that because I think we just need a dose of that these days. 
yeah i yeah it was it was a good one okay so that's it for this episode on hollywood um a series on netflix if you haven't watched it do um because it's a treat for the eyes and mm-hmm. it's also a really nice kind of um jumping off point to discover old hollywood and all the household names that might have become forgotten over the years yeah Well, thank you for listening to us. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify. And do follow us at In The Between on Instagram, where we upload images that relate to what we, we talk about. So till the next time, bye. Thank you, bye.